How great is our God. Let's sing name above all names again now with all your heart. our God now, and how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God, and oh we'll see how great, how great is our God, how great. How great is our God. Amen. Do you love Him? Would you give Him a hand of praise tonight? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise You, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We just welcome You to the service. Amen. You sound so nice. Just singing like that. Pray that You'll just continue in that mode of worship. Amen. Let's sing the song, Shout to the Lord. My Jesus, my Savior, oh, there is none like you in all of my days. I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. And my Power of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roll at the sound of your name. Oh, I'll sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I had in you. We're going to bring the key up now. And my Jesus, oh my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. And all of my days, 
softly. We're going to take our special needs before the Lord. I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy Clayville if you would take these needs to the Lord for us. Amen. We have some folks that are obviously not with us tonight. I remember them in special prayer. Uh, the Whitlock family couldn't be with us. So I think Brother David had to work. He'll keep them in your prayers. We ask that you pray for my, my Aunt Sherry that God would touch her in her body. Amen. She is able to go home today. She's doing better, but she is still covet your prayers. We would greatly appreciate that. If you remember the Buchanan family, uh, they're away for their anniversary. Uh, remember Sister Connie Hughes in prayer as well. She has some testing that she has to go through. Amen. Also, Brother Brian McCall was not able to be with us. And I have a need here for Sister Sister Annie Godwin, who is not feeling well. And so if you'd remember her in prayer. And, uh, Sister Karen also is not feeling well, if you'd remember her in prayer. And just a little praise report, Joey Mill is doing much better. And so it's good to hear that. Amen. That's all the needs I have before me at this time. Do you have any special needs that you have on your heart? 
We're going to pray with you. Come on up, Brother Jeremy, and take these needs before the Lord, my brother. I can just give you one more need. Uh, my brother-in-law, Jeremy Reynolds, and his family, they have an important decision that they need to make uh, this coming week. So if you could please remember them in prayer, I would really appreciate that. I know they would too. Let us pray. Kind Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, with thankfulness in our hearts, Lord. We don't take it for granted, these opportunities that we have to assemble together, Lord, to sing and worship you, Lord, to fellowship with one another, Lord, and most importantly, to hear your word, Father. Lord, we come to you humbly and ask that you forgive us, Lord, our shortcomings, Lord. Cover us with your blood, we pray, Lord. Fathers, we give these petitions and requests to you, Father. We, we give them to you with confidence, Lord, that you know best, Lord, and that you are a way maker. You're a healer, Lord, a comforter, a provider. So, Lord, we take comfort in knowing, Lord, that your will be done. Father, we ask that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would give comfort to those, Lord, that are in time of trouble, sickness. Lord, give direction to those that are seeking your will and your mind. Father, we ask that you would come now and just take control of this service. Lord, may you have the preeminence in all that we do and say, this is your time, Lord. I ask that you would just be lifted up, Father, in our worship. I pray that our hearts would be made ready for your word, Lord. There would be fallow ground, that, Lord, it would take root and yield fruit for your glory, Father. We love you and just commit this time now and these needs. We give it all to you, Lord, and ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. your seats. We're going to sing a little song just before Sister Sarah comes and gives us a special. In Christ alone I place my trust. Amen. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure. By His strength alone I overcome Oh, I could stop and count successes Like diamonds in my hand But those trophies could not equal To the praise by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. And every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Christ alone do I glory, for only by His grace I am redeemed. For only 
mercies could reach beyond my weakness to my need. And now I seek no greater honor than just to know Him more and to count my gains but losses for the glory of my Lord. In Christ alone I place my trust and find my glory in the power My source of hope is Christ the Lord. Sing it again with me. Oh, in Christ the Lord, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. Every victory, let it be said. My source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Amen.
Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Sister Sarah. Appreciate that. Appreciate the message of that song tonight. And uh, that's, just, that's just very fitting, very wonderful. We appreciate that very much. We appreciate all of our special singers. All of our special singers are special. And we appreciate them very much. Let's stand to our feet tonight. We're going to go directly to the Word. But before we do that, let's sing a little chorus. Have your way. Let's just sing that as we uh, look to Him tonight. Have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit, feel our hearts. And have your way as we Father, we pray now that you would just do exactly that. The very best thing that I could do tonight is just step out of the way. And Lord, let you come and take the microphone tonight. Be the speaker. Lord, I pray that each person here tonight, those at the sound of my voice, that they would get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit deal with their hearts as well. Father, we commit our ways to you. We ask forgiveness for our weaknesses and our sins and our failings. We pray, Father, that you would minister to the sick, those who are needy, those who are giving care, and, Lord, those who are not here tonight. I commit them all to you. Bless those who are listening online and those who will listen online. We commit the bride of Christ to you, Lord, wherever they are gathered tonight. We think about them and how wonderful it will be, Lord, to be able to shake hands in the kingdom to come. We give you this evening, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans the 8th chapter. Someone sent me a picture of a guest who had arrived tonight at church. (laughs) And it was Matt Cross. Matt's in a new job, new shift, and able to come on Wednesday nights uh, now, so we appreciate that. And uh, Sister Becky wanted to be here tonight, but we, through a long, through a series of events, we lost our power today and had to go and go early and different things. She's not able to be here tonight. Lucas is not here tonight, and uh, so we miss them. But she, when she gets a chance, she likes to be able to get out and come on a Wednesday night to be here uh, in service, but she was not able to do that tonight, so they're listening at home. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. Now, um, I, I just want to ask you a, a special request to remember Sister Greg uh, tonight. Since Saturday, she has fallen every day. And 
hurt her back every day. It's a strange thing that's taken place. And uh, today she fell in such a way that they had to take her to the hospital. They've literally been at the hospital for hours and hours because the hospital's so busy. They're still in the waiting room. They took a blood test, but they're still in the waiting room. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just hoping to get some word to share with you before service, but they're still there. I talked to Sister Frida, and uh, Brother Joe was actually here today working on the baptistry. And um, they're, still, uh, they're still there, and they're trying to do some blood tests uh, with Sister Greg and try to find out what the reason for her fall, falling may be. Uh, but it's, um, it's been a, a trying situation. And she, at the moment, she lives by herself. And that, that may change. And so uh, you just, if you don't mind, that's always a very, very difficult thing for a family to have to go through and decisions that have to be made. And so uh, if you don't mind, just remembering that need in prayer and we don't want her to suffer. Uh, we don't want her to have an accident. And uh, if you could uh, just remember that, that would be great. Uh, I was asked some questions about voting in the upcoming election. And we have uh, some people who have not, uh, are newcomers in the last four-year cycle. And uh, some folks uh, texted me and asked me a little bit about voting. So I'll deal with that upcoming here uh, before November. And um, just to share some things that, uh, that I've shared before to some of you old-timers uh, in relation to that. So uh, we'll deal with that. I also just got a text also before I came out here that Brother Aaron and his family just arrived in their house in Peoria, uh, Arizona. So they had made it to their parent, his parents' place in Texas um, Tuesday night and then went on from there and just arrived at their place. They live in North Phoenix uh, in Peoria. And we'll try to get an address uh, from them so that we can uh, communicate with them. And um, <clears throat> I gave them a... My wife and I, we on Sunday, we gave them a fistful of gift cards because they were traveling light and they were, you know, had a full van. So we gave them a fistful of gift cards. And they have one of the biggest Cabela's you've ever seen in your life out there in, in Phoenix. So Brother Aaron, he loves to go to. Matter of fact, when we first met Aaron, and this goes back, when did we go to Texas with Mom? In the, I mean, that's before you were born, right? Fifteen years ago? More than that, I think. We were still living in Ohio. I mean, you were a wee lad. And anyway, dear, uh, Peter's not in here. I, I know. It was a long time ago. But anyway, we met Aaron. He, I, think he, I don't think he was shaven back then. <laughs> and we were in Texas for another reason. And there was a, some sort of uh, convention that was on there. And we, we wound up in Dallas and... and uh, I got a hold of Aaron, and this was way back there. And uh, he, he, I, I still remember his face. You know, he had hair and lots of hair. And, and uh, I remember him. He was so excited, you know, to finally meet us because he'd heard about us. And we'd never met him, and he'd, he'd uh, heard about us. And, and so first thing he did was take us to Bass Pro. You remember? That's, that's what he did on that weekend. And so... He's had a soft spot for that. So we uh, uh, gave him a bunch of gift cards. So and anyway, to say this, that we will certainly uh, stay in touch with him, and we, we would ask you to remember them in prayer. 
Their situation is challenging in Phoenix. I think there are almost 15 churches or so that are willing to be counted in Phoenix, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's quite an environment for, uh, for church. And so <clears throat> they, they uh, need our prayers for sure. So we, we sure want to do that. And uh, just escape that, will you? Um, there. And um, we, we wish them all the very best. So if you don't mind remembering them in prayer. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to do uh, something a little different tonight because sometimes it's nice to do something a little bit different. And that is this. I don't have a PowerPoint, but I have a sheet. And you should have a sheet, right? Everybody, there's enough sheets for everybody. Have you got one? Everybody should have a sheet. And uh, I, I, I've, been, I've been just pondering this service tonight, and I got reading. I was listening to sermons, and, and in it, I heard there's enough for everybody. So if you don't have, man, i got some more here. Uh, yeah, do you need more? I have more here if you want some. Everybody should have one. We've got enough for everyone. I, I sent it to my printer, and I, I realized it was stuck on a large number, and I couldn't stop it. So by the time I stopped it, it was something like 80 extra copies here that was there. I was listening to the sermon, and, and in it, the phrase birth pains came up. And I was, I was uh, listening to the uh, – uh, someone was talking about Brother Branham and the birth pains, and, I, and there was just something caught with me about it. So I went and got my book – birth pains, and I, I, there was a paper clip in it right here. And I started reading right there because that was the part that I, uh, I, I keep my notes on the front. And so uh, that was the part that I wanted to start at. And this is really not important. I'm just telling you where the sheet came from. So I thought, wow, rather than take a couple of paragraphs out of here and just put them up there, this is worth reading. These few pages are worth reading. So that's that's where this came from, and I wanted to talk uh, title this tonight, Kings Under Pressure. We've been talking about kings and priests and uh, the character of kings, and so I, I wanted to tie it together with that and trust that uh, this will be connected. So I don't have a PowerPoint. You can use this and, and write on that if you like. But let's let's work down through this just a little bit. In Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-two, this is the the very familiar passage, although. A portion of it is written in a way that's not always that easy to understand. Um, and, and so I want to I read fr- from another translation here in Romans 8, starting, uh, Romans 8, starting at verse 18, where Paul says, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. And very simply, let me say this, that... Paul is talking about the hope that we as Christians have. That God is actually going to right everything that's wrong and correct everything that's wrong uh, in, the, in the plan of redemption, in the process of redemption. In that process, you will finally come to the right body you were meant to have. In that process, the earth will come back to where it needs to be. In that process, nature will be correct again. Everything that was, out, was, was in place and got out of place will be brought back to place again. So this is, this is Paul's describing that, but some of the language is a little bit obscure. For instance, verse 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope. We kind of don't speak that way. 
but these are significant comments that Paul is making about this whole process of adoption. And as you, you, as you know from the first part of Romans chapter 8 here, he's concluding from chapter 7 that there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walketh not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And he's, he's talking about that progression that, that Christians have and how that, uh, the righteousness of the law now is made manifest through Christ, and that's how we are justified. And it's a very, very important opening of the chapter. The last part of the chapter starts in verse 26, where Paul talks about the personal, intimate intervention of the Holy Spirit and how that he intercedes for us. And the statement in 28, where we know that all things work together for good to them who love God. And then the rest of the chapter is spent on, you know what, this is so powerful that there's no force on earth, above earth, or below earth that can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So this is a really, really important chapter to us as Christians. Let me read you from verse 18. So if you want to follow, I'm not sure how you handle this, but uh, let me read from verse 18. For I consider that our present sufferings cannot be compared to the coming glory that shall be revealed in us. So that's what this is about. The expectation, excuse me, or the hope of the children of God. The, the, the coming glory is the way it's described here. For the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility or vanity, frustration, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it in hope. So the reason why the creation is messed up and the earth is not really as, it, as it's supposed to be, the storms and the climate and all of the other, like, you know, ice and, and everything on the, on the poles. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's just lots of things that are out of whack. And, you know, like all of a sudden you'll see the news and they'll say 150 whales washed up on shore. No one knows why. That, that's not the way God created the whales. That's not what they're supposed to do. And so there's things that are out of whack in nature that we really don't have any answer for, but it was subjected to vanity or futility. There's some things that are just absolutely futile that exist in our world today. Now, willingly, this is not the choice of mankind nor the choice of the earth. It is just because God subjected it to that because of the fall. And he says that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. So listen. The correction or the restoration of the earth is actually connected to the restoration of the children of God. When, when the children of God are restored completely, so will the earth. So the earth actually becomes a benefactor of the plan of redemption for the children of God. It, it's, it's a very powerful thing. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves also have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. So that's what the, that's what the people of God are waiting for. Now, <clears throat> right now, we're in a transition period between the way things have been for the last 4,000 years because things significantly changed after the flood. Right? Things were atmospherically, geologically, uh, meteorologically, astronomically, a certain way before the flood. And then afterwards, I mean, people, hey, yeah, they had something going right because people didn't die. Right? They lived seven or eight hundred years. Imagine how many, 
Imagine trying to get birthday candles on a cake if you're 700 years old. I mean, you put cake on the candles, right? So, after the flood, things changed. We know that. You know, they find, uh, you know, they find uh, uh, mammoths in Siberia. Hello, I've been to Siberia. There were no mammoths rolling around there. It's not a natural habitat for, for mammoths, let me tell you something. And so there, there was a change after the flood. So for 4,000 years, it's been a certain way. And now we're at a point where it's going back to the way it's supposed to be. We're at a transition. There's a, there's a, 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 there's a change happening in the earth. All of it, all of it. The whole creation groaneth and travaileth, waiting for you. It's actually waiting for us to step into our new bodies. That's what it's waiting for. Then the earth's going to be burned over. We'll come back. We'll have the marriage supper in the meantime. And Israel gets her message of prophets and so forth. You know, it'll be uh, all kinds of things that happen. here. And, hey, there's a lot of stuff got to happen between here and the millennium. And even at the end of the millennium, there's got to be a bunch of more stuff. But then we'll have new heavens and new earth, and it'll flatten out, and it'll be okay. All right? But there's a lot of stuff that's, that's happening here. Now, if a man understands why, he can endure a lot of what? Let me say it again. If we know the why, we can endure a lot of what? If I know why something's happening, uh, it, there's a lot of things that happen around us that will, you know what, even though I may not agree, uh, I understand why it's happening. You know, there's, if, if we know why, we're, we're living, we're, we know we're living at the end time. We know there's certain prophecies that got to happen. It's got to be like the days of Sodom. got to be like the days of Noah, right? That's why things are the way they are. I don't agree with everything that's happening, but that is why. If I know the why, I can endure a lot of things between now and whenever. The why is what God's given us. He hasn't given us, all right, the date. He hasn't given us the, you'll be here, and then your body will be changed. He hasn't given us any prior warning as to what you will feel like when your body changes. None of that, but we know why. We know, we know why we are where we are. We know why events are happening in the world the way they are. Because we live at this crossroads where something major is happening, and we're at the end of the Gentile dispensation, we're looking at the introduction, introduce, introduction back of the Jews back into the picture again, Joseph's brothers, right? And the revelation, we, we understand we're at that point, and all of this is going on, the whole earth is groaning and travailing. There's a pressure associated with that. Not just pressure, but there are certain world events that are taking place that are significant, and they are considered indicators of the time. We sum, summon, we sum up that uh, terminology into what Brother Branham described from the Scripture called birth pains. Now, so let's take a look at this. In your sheet here, this is the preamble. First one is 1951, our hope is in God. I see you're really sick. It's talking to a woman in the prayer line, feeling the pressure of the enemy. Pressure's all around us. You, you should be glad we have air pressure. 
We need air pressure. So we, we live in pressure. We don't even recognize it. Let me tell you, if you went into water over your head, you'd notice it. And if you were trying to get lift in an airplane, you didn't have air pressure, you'd know it. There's pressure all around us. But there's also pressure negatively as well. When Satan comes, there's a pressure associated with that. There's a pressure associated with sickness. And if you go back and you search in Brother Bram's message and, and look, look up that phrase, the, the pressure of your sickness or pressure of sickness, you'll find where he talks about that pressure that these people are feeling because they're under the weight of their sickness. In 2010, I was falsely diagnosed with TB. It was a false positive that I had. And as a result of that, there were all kinds of things that happened. Someday I'll tell you the story. It's really, really quite a story. But immediately, immediately, even though I didn't have the disease, I was under a lot of pressure. And the public health system came down hard. Uh, I mean, there was all kinds of things that happened. There was my wife and I, you know, we we hardly even talk about that season of my life because it was so hard and difficult and like nothing else I'd ever experienced before in my life. But there was pressure. Uh, there, there was I had to, I was forced to take medication because otherwise you're considered a public health uh, risk. And I had a nurse who came to my house every day. And watch me put the pills in my mouth. And they had to stand there and watch me take it every day. So that there was no risk or chance I didn't take this medicine. Because if I didn't take this medicine, then I had a communicable disease like that. I would be considered a public health risk. And so therefore, uh, let me tell you, there was great pressure associated with that. (laughs) And I didn't have the disease. I didn't have if I had had it, and any of you that have had it, or been given a diagnosis of something, it's almost like something settles on you, and it's, you know, man, it's, it's, it's difficult. There's a pressure associated with, with the enemy and how he tries to come in. 1957, mighty conqueror, and a man is what he is when he's under pressure. His real true character, characteristics will show when he's under pressure. Get him all riled, stirred up, you'll see the real man come out. If he's got a temper, it'll show itself. If he's meek and gentle, it'll show itself. Put him under pressure once, and God puts all his children under tests to see whether there's any flaws in them. I was just seeing this morning on NPR, they had a little, little clip on there. I was just making coffee, and there was a little clip on there about kids in Korea. Now, Steve could tell you more about this than I, than I know, but uh, kids who come out of high school have to take the uh, university proficiency tests or something that they call it in order to gain entrance to colleges. And that, those tests determine for those kids many times what their entire uh, life's career and path is going to be. And there's an enormous amount of pressure on those kids. As a matter of fact, the whole country goes into a reserve mode. They, they uh, slow down things to give the high school children the, the time and space and peace to be able to take these tests. And they were interviewing a girl who was in high school. She said, I sleep on average two to three hours per night. And she said, they're not allowing any of us to stay home because of the virus. We all have to go to school. All other schools and institutions are uh, streaming online, but not the high school students because they have to go take the test. And there's no way they're going to trust them taking that test at home with a proctor or online or something. They have to be in the building. 
And this girl was talking about the pressure that she feels uh, just having to do this because everything in the rest for the rest of their life depends on the outcome of that test. That's real pressure. Brother Bram's saying when a person is under pressure, he said the real true character that they have really comes out. Letting off the pressure in 1962, he says everybody's under pressure. No time. Everybody's going to be. Go- everyone seems to be going somewhere. And the whole world seems to be plagued with it. And the doctors don't have the remedy, but I'm so glad tonight that in the midst of all of it, I know someone's got the remedy. That's God. He has the remedy. How to get from under this pressure. Because if you don't get a pressure relief, you'll be crushed by the pressure that exists. Now, um, in 2 Kings chapter 13 there, it talks about Jehoahaz, which is the son of Jehu. Jehu was the king who was... uh, the, the guy who brought down Ahab and his house. You remember Jehu is the guy who drove the chariot furiously? He's, the, he's that, that king, and he was instrumental in bringing down Ahab and Jezebel uh, back in his time. His son was Jehoahaz. And it's, the Bible says that he besought the Lord in Second Kings chapter 13. He was not such a stellar king. He wasn't such a great guy. However, he besought the Lord in the time of trouble, and the Lord hearkened unto him, for he saw the oppression. When I clicked on that word, and I like to know what the meanings of these words are, when I clicked on that word, it is the English word squeeze. It got my attention. And the Lord hearkened unto him, for he saw the squeeze of Israel, because the king of Syria oppressed them. So Syria was attacking. They were moving towards Israel to do them harm. And when Jehoahaz saw this uh, pressure, which is in the, in the Bible, the oppression that the king of Syria was putting there, then Jehoahaz did the right thing. He turned to the Lord and he sought appeasement from him. He sought relief from him because, hey, my people are being squeezed. God responds to people who cry out to him in a time of need. But I will tell you something. He's extra sensitive to people when they're, in a, when they're being squeezed. Now, I believe this is relevant for our time. How many would agree? Now, here's where you're going to have a little skin in the game. Take your Bible. If you have your Bible there, for all of you that are not spoiled by me putting up every scripture on the screen, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Genesis, Exodus, you, do, you don't want me to do that? Exodus chapter 3. You're going to have to look here. Exodus, the third chapter, verse 8. This is Moses and God at the burning bush. God's talking with Moses here. And he says, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to the land, unto a good land of lo- uh, and a large, unto a land flowing of milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. I mean, Exodus 3, 9. Now, therefore, behold, a cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the squeeze whereby the Egyptians oppressed them. So now, Satan knows that something is stirring, and... This special child, Moses, now is at an age where he's able to do something, and something's stirring here. So Satan's, Satan's attack takes the... Mitchell, turn, just turn me down just a shade. I'm, I'm popping here. 
Satan's attack is to intimidate or oppress or squeeze the people of God because something's happening. Let me tell you at the outset, you should be excited tonight if you feel squeezed at all because something's happening. If something wasn't happening exciting in the earth, you wouldn't be feeling a squeeze. If this truly is a squeeze, you should be excited because squeezes don't go backwards. If you're going to squeeze a toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube, it doesn't go backwards. It only goes one way. So this is what God told Moses, that this, this squeeze, the cry of my people, has come up to me. Go to Exodus 22. Exodus 22, please. Exodus 22 and verse 21. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger, nor squeeze him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. You will know what it's like to be squeezed. Don't you treat anybody like that. You do the right thing. You do a good thing for somebody. Don't you squeeze people. You know what that's like. And if God wants to, he can always turn up the heat again. Go to the next chapter. Chapter 23, verse 9. Thou shalt not squeeze a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, seeing you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, Isaiah 30. You see, Brother Barry, it's a whole lot easier if you just put all these on the screen here. It is. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Now, this is the promise that Isaiah conveys to the people of God. Remember now, they're going off into captivity, but here he is prophesying as well. Verse 18. I mean, Isaiah 30, 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. And in the original Hebrew actually says, await for him in faith. It has those two words added on there. In faith. So believing that God is going to deliver, God's going to rescue, God's going to complete the plan that he has for his people and so forth. So in faith. Because it's, it's, not, it's not visible. It's, the, the hope we have is not visible. The joy that we have is not visible. But rather, rather, we in faith believe that something good is around the corner. Okay? We also feel the same way, Right? When you look out on the horizon today, not really a whole lot of nice stuff to see. But in faith, there's everything out there for us. 19. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer. When he hears you cry, he will answer. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, so the food you eat will be distress. And the water you drink will be affliction. The word affliction there is the word squeeze. Even though you feel that way and you experience that, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. 
Even though you are in a dark time, in a difficult time, in a time when there's a narrow way and a squeeze going on, you will still be able to hear your teachers because I'm going to preserve your teachers, I'm going to preserve your ministry, and you're going to hear the voice of them continually, yes, go right, go left, and, and uh, this is the way walk ye in it. And that's the promise he gives to the people of God. Hey, if we know why, we can endure a lot of stuff. And so in the end time, if we know where we're heading, if a squeeze precedes a tribulation, and we know we're there, we know why things are the way they are, we can endure a lot going through this. It shouldn't be a mystery to us as to why people are acting like they're acting. It shouldn't be a surprise to us why governments are acting like they're acting. You know what? Governments essentially are desperate because they don't have answers for the immediate problems that face the world. They're trying to do whatever they can to get reelected or to get solutions or get, even if they're just good-looking band-aids that they put over the problems that exist in our world today, they know they don't have fixes. If they had fixes, my goodness, it wouldn't be a question as to whether they would get reelected. But there are no solutions to the times we live in because these times are God-ordained. Or, let me say it this way, in message language, the world's falling apart. And if the world's falling apart, you're not going to have enough band-aids to hold it together. It's falling apart for a reason. Right? All creation is groaning and travailing and waiting for you and I to step into our new body. So there's no political solution. There's no uh, moral solution. There's no economic solution to the problems in the world. I've listened to some of the smartest economists in our time, including Steve. I've listened to some very intelligent and smart people who are discussing the, the world situation. And let me tell you, it's, you know, they're, they know the principles, and you can know the principles, but applying them and making them work as a solution is a different thing. I, you, can, you can understand the principles, and you can know the principles, but applying them and making them work in a world as wacky as ours, that's a different story. And it's not happening. We might have explanations for things, but the solutions are not apparent because the world's falling apart. So when God, when God causes certain things to happen, men are not able to undo it. Right? So, Brother Branham, like Brother Branham said about the doctors in Egypt back in the time when the plagues were falling, he said those doctors were smart enough to take their hands on it. They said, this is a higher power. This is the God of Israel doing this. And so they didn't, they didn't get in there and start messing around but didn't try to fix it. They knew this was a higher power. So, you know what? We're better off just kind of, you know, doing something else. They were smart enough to figure that out. Let's read on just a little bit further. 22. You shall also defile the covering of thy graven images of silver. In other words, you shall cleanse your lives, your temples of all these idols. And then he shall give you the rain of thy seed. And you will bring forth, 24, the oxen likewise and the young asses that ear the ground shall eat clean provender. and In other words, God's going to make the earth come forth for you. There shall be upon every high mountain and upon every high hill rivers and streams of waters in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. So in other words, think about this picture that Isaiah is painting for them. There's great destruction, darkness, and trouble and calamity that strikes the world. But you know what? You've got clean, fresh water running from the high hills and the mountains. And you've got, water, you've got rain that's coming on your seed. You've got your, your uh, camels and your donkeys are all eating fresh provender. And you know what? There's good things happening here. There's bad things happening all around you. You think that's possible? You think that's possible? Sure it is. 26. Moreover, the light and the moon shall be as the light of the sun. 
And the light of the sun shall be sevenfold. Sevenfold there speaks of intensity. So in other words, the sun's going to be as bright as it ever was. As the light of seven days in the day that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. So there will be divine blessing and prosperity for the people of God. And the sun's going to shine to the max at that time. And you'll have a voice that sounds in your ear saying, this is the way, walk in and go to the left and go to the right. God's people are not forsaken in this day of adversity. God's people are not forsaken in this time of darkness here. They're truly blessed. They're led. They're provided for. They're comforted. They're blessed from on high during that time. This is all in a time of oppression, time of the squeeze. I don't, I'm not suggesting that everything in the, in the time of the squeeze will be rosy because Brother Bram talks about a religious persecution or a spiritual persecution that will take place and, you know, cause things maybe to shut down. And, you know, if we lost our church, you know what? We've been robbed of a lot of fellowship over the last year since 2020, right? Matter of fact, I've even thought about having a Christmas dinner next month and then we can call it an end of the year and just start in 2021 early. I mean, I've, I'm that desperate. But it comes to the point where, you know, we've been, robbed of, we've been robbed of a lot of things. But you know what? At the same time, I'd have to say God's been good to us. And you know what? It, it, it tells me something, too, that the strength of HBT and of any message church, but of HBT, is not so much in our dinners nor in our building. But the strength of HBT is in the people. So you know what? If we lost our building, buildings, that'd be rough. But you know what? We still would have H- we still would have HBT because we have a bunch of believers who believe. And all you need to do is be a bunch of believers who believe, and God honors that. God blesses that. Amen. We've learned that our trust is not in things or dinners. Our trust is not in buildings or fellowship halls. Our trust is in him. I don't know. Maybe he's weaning us away from trusting the wrong things and putting it in the right things. Know this. That the real you comes out under pressure, not under blessings. We thank God for the blessings, but the real you doesn't come out under blessings. It comes out under pressure. All right, birth pains. Here we go. We are told by God's prophets that we are to have a new heaven and a new earth. He quotes the scripture. He said, it was gone, and now if we're to have a new heaven and a new earth, the new heaven and a new earth cannot exist, the new earth and the old earth cannot exist at the same time. Or the new world and the old world cannot exist at the same time. There can't be two world orders together at the same time. Now, in order to get the new earth, the old one has to die. If the old one has to die, then it's giving birth pains for the new one now. Could this be what's actually happening? That we're in a time of travail for the earth when it's, it's actually giving birth to something new that's coming? Because they can't coexist. Now, here's the principle that I wanted you to catch. If a doctor went to examine a patient who was in labor now, so we have a woman who's expecting she's at the end of her term. One of the first things that the doctor does after he's been watching the patient is to time 
the birth pains, how close they are together, and how much more terrific each one gets. So he's measuring two things, the frequency and intensity, right? All the guys said, amen. That's the way he diagnoses the case by the birth pains. Well, if the world has to give way to the birth of a new world, let's just examine some of the birth pains we're having on the earth, and we'll see about what day and just about how far she is along in her labor. So remember now, there's two factors, and they are frequency and intensity that we're thinking about here. And Brother Bam's applying that to the spiritual side of things to say if we begin to look at world events here, we will see uh, we will see really where we are in this whole process. Just I, I got to tell you this: that when our firstborn was born, we had a fantastic doctor, Doctor Ehrlich, and uh, he was a great. He was just a great guy, and I, I just I could tell you stories about Doctor Ehrlich. He's a great guy. He's the guy who held Andrew up by his feet and said, "Look, folks, instant coffee." He was that doctor. When he was born, when Andrew was born, he held him up. He said, everybody in the room, you know, look, everyone, instant coffee. So when Dr. Erling came in the first time to see Sister Becky, who was in the hospital, and we, were, we knew this was it, we were on the skids, and we knew we were, you know, we had done the Lamaze class, and we knew everything there was to know, everything there was to know about how to breathe, everything. We knew it all. And so we're, we're in the hospital, we got our suitcase, we got our tennis balls, we got our everything we need to have. Dr. Erling comes in to examine her, it was a, I, I don't remember what day of the week it was, I think it was a Saturday, but we, he came in and examined her and he said, he said, all right, he said, I'll be around to be a doctor here, but he says, I'll be around. And I kind of said, hey, where are you going? You can't go. There's a lot of other people in this hospital who can go at the moment. But you can't. He said, oh, I said, I've got my plane waiting on the runway. He was a private pilot, and he had his plane waiting on the runway. He says, me and my son are taking a trip today. Oh, I said, I didn't know you were a comedian, too. He says, no, no, I'll be, I'll be back. He said, the hospital's got my number. They know where I am. I said, for real. I, I said, do you know John Harwell? I, I, I need to say this right now to you. Really? He says, yeah, I'll be back. Because he knew intensity and frequency, he understood, and he knew how long this was going to take. And he was right. So off he went in his plane. Matter of fact, several years later, after the birth of Steve, sorry, he died in the plane. Anyway, it's another story. And I would like to clear up, because we're on the Internet here, there was no connection between the birth of Steve and, and the death of the doctor, all right? I know what you're thinking. I know where your minds go immediately. There was no connection whatsoever. But he did die. So Brother Branham starts in now, and this is one of the reasons I, I, I refuse the temptation here to, to show you a bunch of pictures here, because... I've done this many times. I've shown you lots of pictures here of things like this. But he said the First World War showed great birth pains. It showed one of the first birth pains of her going into labor. So you've got you to picture this now. 
that World War I is a birth pain in the earth. In other words, we're beginning the process of the birth of this new world, the new world order, and, and the, the, the reshaping of the earth. Okay, it's all going to change now. And here's one of the markers that a prophet, here's Brother Branham standing there, and he doesn't live through World War I. He's born, he's on the earth, but he's a babe. But he's, he's looking at the timeline here, and he says that's one of the first pains right there. And he, and he identifies that. And then he describes this, and he talks about the, the mustard gas and the poison gases that struck the earth. Now, back in, in the days of World War I, there was such a fear about the poison gas and the mustard gas that they thought that when they released it, and it is an absolutely horrible thing. They don't use it now. It's outlawed in the world. And, and when, it, when it was released with the chlorine gas and the mustard gas that they had, they thought, people thought, it was going to drift into the atmosphere and kill everyone. So they thought it would be a global catastrophe because they released the mustard gas and the, and the chlorine gas back in that time. And so Brother Bram's describing some of that in this paragraph right here, and they thought it would kill everybody. And, and it didn't. It was localized to the, to the, uh, the, the battleground in France and, and in Belgium and in Germany and places like that. That's where it was isolated. It was not a global phenomenon. It was a localized Birth pain, if you like. Now, the whole world was affected by a, a world war because all the nations were directly or indirectly involved in it. But it was not a global phenomena in the sense that everyone in every nation was affected by it. Then he comes down to the same paragraph and he said, the earth went through, had its first birth pains. And he said, fine, there was a second war, World War II, soon after. And our pains were much greater. Because now in this war... There were many more nations that were involved in the Asian Pacific, in theater, in Africa. Uh, my uncle fought in Africa. My father-in-law fought in the Mediterranean and was on D-Day. And, you know, there was uh, all, many, many people who were involved in that. And, and now all of a sudden we had the introduction of nuclear war. And there was a nuclear bomb that was dropped. Now, the whole world wasn't affected by that, but the potential for destruction on a mass scale was now unveiled. And it was because people had gotten into the laboratory and started messing with science and they came up with solutions or, or, or ideas then about warfare. 91, paragraph 91. Now she knows her time of deliverance is at hand. He said that's, that's the reason she's so nervous and frustrated because it was a hydrogen bomb and missiles that could destroy the earth. And then he talks about technology there that Russian, the Russians have and so forth, uh, and the kind of things that they possess. Paragraph 93, people's science is broken into God's laboratory until they're going to destroy themselves. Yesterday, there was a film clip on the news uh, in the South China Sea where they were doing an exercise, and they had a helicopter, just a simple helicopter, and it dropped a uh, special kind of a bomb into the South China Sea, and it was an aircraft carrier-seeking missile. They had it programmed to hit an uh, aircraft carrier. And the Chinese detonated this. They sent it off. It was just an exercise. It wasn't for real. But they televised it to the world because they want the world to know that we can take any ordinary helicopter and send it up with one of these things outfitted uh, to drop this special bomb. And you know what? It's going it's to continue to swim until it finds an aircraft carrier. And the technologies now that exist in warfare are mind-blowing. They're mind-blowing. 
So, you know, I mean, we could say a lot about this. But, you know, this deal with the, 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 the coalition now between the United Arab Emirates and Israel, uh, that was a big deal for them to all of a sudden make peace, you know, with Israel and an Arab nation. You know, I mean, it's a big deal because they're not traditionally friendly. But you know what? You know what? Grease the wheel is all those fighter jets that now the U.S. has sold to the UAE. And Saudi Arabia is standing up there today and saying, they won't sell them to us. But there's a lot of things that go on. Part of it is, is because there's an election coming up. So if it looks like someone's making peace in the Middle East, even though the skids were greased with 36 very sophisticated fighters, you, you get to drift. It isn't peace. You're not creating peace by selling high-tech weapons to people who have been lifelong enemies. You get to drift. Brother Branham's simply saying this. The whole thing is corrupt. There's nothing real genuine that's left in it. it 95. So the world knows that her birth pains are so great. It's got to give away. There's going to be new birth. He said, there's going to be a new birth at hand. I'm thankful for that. I'm tired of this one. Anyone knows that there's a place of death and sorrow, all kinds of discrepancies and so forth. I'm glad that, that she has to give way. I'm glad that the time is at hand. As John of old said, even so come Lord Jesus. She must rot. And he talks about denominations here. So he's talking about the whole denominational system, the whole world order. He's talking about our bodies. He's talking about the earth. He's talking about everything that's giving away, waiting for the birth of the right thing. And there's 97. There's only one thing that can help her, and that's the coming of the Creator. She knows she must give away. She's in pain and distress. One don't know what to do. One is looking this way. One is looking that way and everything. One is scared of the other, trying to destroy this one, trying to contradict and so forth. All of it, see, he said, so, so she knows she can't stand it. And the people, uh, she can't stand it. And the world knows that it's going to happen. There's a nervousness in the world because all of this is happening. No one knows where it's going to wind up or stop. 99. God said it was. The whole heavens and earth is going to be on fire. It's going to be a renovation of the whole thing so a new world can be born. Now think about, just stop for a minute here. He doesn't go into detail after he talks about World War II. World War I is the first pain, World War II. So you have the Korean War after that, but Tom was there. You have uh, Vietnam after that. I mean, if we just talk about conflict in the earth, and we have all of that. We have, you know, I mean, there's, there's been a lot of indicators that something's happening in the earth. How many remember the great volcano that they had over in Iceland a few years ago? Remember that when it blew, when it, the, the whole thing blew and it affected air travel all around the world? Because the corridors for passage across the Atlantic corridor, flight path, they're very narrow flight paths or corridors for commercial aviation. Military run the rest of the airspace, but there are corridors that are public corridors, and there's one across the Atlantic. It runs from Gander, Newfoundland, over to Shannon, Ireland. And it's a corridor that's a curve like this because when you fly across the ocean, the earth turns. So by the time you, if you flew in a straight line, you'd be up in tip of Norway. 
But if you fly in a curve, you're going to hit Shannon, Ireland. That's where you're supposed to hit. That's a very narrow corridor. That, that uh, volcano was so large, it affected the, uh, the air travel. I was thinking to myself for weeks, I'm glad I wasn't over in Europe somewhere trying to get home because it's halted all that traffic. And they couldn't just divert them, you know, go another route because those routes are controlled by military, by Air Force. And so you, you just can't go another route. They ha- all had to wait. They were backed up in, in uh, Canada and, and, and in Europe. So those are, those are phenomena that happen in the earth, and they might not, you know, we didn't have Brother Branham around in, in that time to say, well, that, you know, there's, there's some things. That's just a symptom of what's happening in the earth. The earth is heating up. And so there's, it isn't just World War I, World War II. When you think about the conflicts, you think about, you know, the, the, uh, the, the potential for nuclear a disaster that, that's in the earth and all the other things now uh, that are taking place and uh, all the other phenomena that's going on in our world. Brother Branham says now all of these things, you know, and he describes it here, and you can read it on that page, and it, it, he describes it here. And then I put down the scripture in Luke chapter 3 when John the Baptist answered them and said, I need baptize you with water, but there's one, uh, one mightier than I cometh who's latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to, to unloose. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into his garner, but the chaff will burn with fire unquenchable. It's, all the time it's pointing to a time when God's going to take away his elect, he's going to restore the earth, he's going to renovate the whole thing, and it'll come back to the way that God intended it in the first place. All right, 102. We're down here now. Again, he talks about the doctor. Now let's look at the doctor's book. If she is in that kind of condition, a woman at the end of her term, to see if she's supposed to, see if she's supposed to happen when that new earth is to be born. Matthew 24, in the doctor's book, which is the Bible, Let's see what's prophesied, what our symptoms would be. And if a doctor knows, you know, the intensity and the frequency, just about the time when the child has come, everything gets ready, because he knows what time the child is to be born, all the symptoms show. He gets everything ready for it. 104, now Jesus told us exactly what would take place at this time. And he told us in Matthew 24, the true church, church natural, church spiritual, be so close it would deceive the very elect. And it would be like the days of Noah. They were eating and drinking, giving in marriage. All this immorality in the world we see today. The Bible, the doctor's book said it would happen. Matthew 24, Luke 17, Luke 21. All those chapters. We see this happening at the birth is at hand. It's got to be. Yes, sir. We look as a nation, not as a nation, but at a world. We look at that. As the nation. As not a nation, but a world. So you got to look at this a little bigger than just what's happening in America. We look at it as a world. The whole world is changing. You understand what he's saying? If you're going to play the role of a doctor here and look at the symptoms and look at the Bible, look at the doctor's book, and you're comparing symptoms here with what the book says... We're not looking at this just as what's happening in America. We tend to do that as Americans. We tend to look at that, you know, kind of like nationally here and see what's happening. But all over the world, things are changing. All over the world, globally, things are, are, are not the way they were. 
And he's saying now we, we look at this based on the prophecies, not just as a nation, but as a world. And, and Israel over, and he describes Israel being back in her land and so forth all down through the ages there. And he, he you know, again, we're running out of time, but you could take, uh, take thought and look at all of that. Go down to the last paragraph. Moses could not have brought Noah's message. Neither could Jesus have brought Noah's message because it was another age. And the old seed was right, served its purpose, was dead and gone. The transformation from the old to new where the life was at, what was worrying the people, what worries them yet today. We're not building a wall like we start off with Luther's message and go down straight line, Pentecostal message and so forth, but we're turning a corner. We're building a building. What's he telling us? He's signaling something to us here. We're at a, a turning point. It takes the power of God to do that. It takes an anointed one from heaven to be sent to do that in every age. And in the prophet's age, the word of the Lord comes through those prophets, they turned those corners and made the difference, made those difference. But the builders wanted to build a wall. It's not a wall, but it's a building. It's a building of God. God's actually constructing. God's actually doing something here. He's composing something here. And he's got somebody on the earth who's able to look at the blueprint and interpret that correctly and make sure that we turn the corner when we turn the corner. And it's not tradition that keeps the wall going. And it's not, uh, you know, everyone's idea, everyone's interpretation. That's not the way God does it. God says, one man on the earth, and he says, this man knows how to read the blueprint. And so he opens up the blueprint to Brother Branham and gives him, uh, you know, the interpretation. The, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. He's got the interpretation of what's taking place here now. And Brother Branham's trying to tell us something in 1965. This is birth pains, folks. We have frequency and intensity, and it's all coming together. And the end result of that is obvious. There's something new that's born that's going to replace the thing that was there before. It's a new thing that God's going to bring into the earth. And in the... Uh, in in the, the last page here, he, he, I, I have some quotations here for the sixth and seventh seal. And, and in, that, in that, Brother Branham teaches us very clearly that there were three purposes for that sixth seal. And number one, he said, was the purging of the foolish virgin. And he said, these are the people who maybe heard or didn't get a chance to hear. And he says, they never received it. It was taught incorrectly to them. Second thing is the purging of the earth. And nature. And then thirdly, he talks about how that God deals with Israel during that time. Now, if you want that quotation, it's right below it there in, uh, in, in the sixth seal and the seventh seal. I quoted him there for you just so you could look at it. But those are what's in the blanks there. So God's dealing with Israel. God's dealing with the nature and earth. And God's dealing with uh, the foolish virgin. He's dealing with the, uh, the Gentiles that are left on the earth during the tribulation. So all of that goes on. Let me tell you something. Uh, it, <laughs> the, the, the amount of theories that exist about what it is that's taking place right now is, is unbelievable. But God had one man who was on the earth who was telling us uh, exactly what the blueprint said and what the blueprint is trying to uh, accomplish and what God is trying to accomplish by the blueprint. And that's exactly what's taking place in our time. And this is what, this is what Romans 8 is actually talking about, that it's all moving with hope towards an expected end. And in that expected end, uh, God's going to bring the, the, the people of God to their right place. He's going to bring the earth with it to the right place. And he's going to have all the parts that were out of whack back in the line again. And it's all going to come back into place because God's word has promised us it's going to do that. In the meantime, in the meantime, if we know the why, we can endure a lot of what? If we know the why, we can endure a lot of 
where, and all the other questions that exist, we know why things are happening in the earth. We know why things are the way they are. And, and we lose, you know, we, we feel the effect. Now we have a global issue that is, that, that surrounds us that none of us can do anything about. Because if you want to go and try and tackle nature and wrestle it to the ground and make it obey and do what you want, good luck. Doesn't happen that way. And we have something now. This is not just something like uh, mustard gas in a, in a certain place here. This is this is rather now moved to a global. Brother Ram said, not just a nation, but a look at the world. The whole world has changed because of events that are taking place in our time that have been prophesied, that that have uh, you know been ordained to come in, in the, the earth. Hey, it's not a, it's not a nice thing. It's not a pleasant thing because it's a painful thing. It's a distressful thing. It is an indication that something's happening. And you know what? It's probably going to get more intense and more frequent as we move along here. Because that's the analogy that a prophet uses to describe what it is that's going on. But you know what? We know why. If we know why, then we realize that at the end of the day, even though things get negative and dark around us here, and people come up with all kinds of solutions and theories about what it is that's taking place, we know the why. And if we know that this actually is the, the kind of squeeze or oppression that the people of God who are on earth experience when all of the world falls apart, yet God blesses them in the middle of all of that darkness there, and we know why it's happening, you know what? It ought to give you a little bit of hope. Because you realize at the end of this, there's something really good for the people of God. There's something really wonderful for God's elect at the end of this. Because you know what God's doing? He's renovating the whole thing to make a new heavens and new earth entirely for you. Entirely for you and Him to enjoy. Without an enemy, without a detractor, without an antagonist in that world. And we'll be able to live in a world that's free of all of that sickness and all of that trouble and all that heartache. And God's doing it now. The doing or the going through it is not a pleasant thing. We've been robbed of a lot of things. We've been robbed of a lot of fellowship. We've been robbed of a lot of... Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, in a sense it's kind of silly, but we can't even shake hands. You know, you meet new people and you can't, you know, you can't even shake hands. You go to a funeral and you're reluctant about shaking hands with somebody. You go to a wedding and you can't, you know, you're reluctant about shaking hands with people because it's the world we live in. It's nuts. It's not the way that we normally operate. Those are minor things compared to all the other things that surround it, that surround us with the, the economy and the, all the other, all the other side effects of everything that's taken place. Could this be that? Could this be that which squeezes us to a place that we ordinarily wouldn't go to voluntarily? I mean, in your right mind, you wouldn't head towards tribulation at all. But you know what? The whole world's headed that way. We don't get up, we don't get up in the morning and pray, Lord, bring me right to the edge of the tribulation. Lord, just bring me as close as you can. We pray the opposite, right? Keep us from evil. Watch over us. Protect us. Keep danger out of the way. I mean, that's the way we pray. But in reality, in reality, we're all moving towards the same thing. The Bible promises it. The message teaches it. And now we're living it. At the end of that whole experience, though, is something awfully glorious for us. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, 
And if I know the why, we'll probably be able to do a lot of things. Let's stand to our feet. God came down through a prophet and stood at that microphone and said, let me tell you what's going to happen in the last day. Let me tell you what it's going to be like. And I'll tell you why it's going to happen. And I'll tell you what's going to happen after. And you are just about the only people on earth that know what's going on. It's kind of like Jesus on the road to Damascus, the road to Emmaus. Remember that? And they came, Jesus came out of the bushes and he, you know, he met these two on the road to Emmaus and they started talking to him and they said, do you not know what's taking place in Israel? And in reality, he was the only one who really did know what was taking place in Israel. And for us, you know, people might look at us and say, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't have the fear that everybody else has. We don't have the sense of uncertainty that everybody else has. It's because you're the only ones who really know what's going on. You know, really, truly, where this is going to wind up. We're a blessed people. We're a blessed people, that's for sure. Just any day now, our Lord is coming. He'll be returning for you. And I've been waiting just any day now, his face I'll see just any day now, our Lord is coming, he'll be face I'll see. It's not in trying, but in trusting. What key is that, F? It's not in trying, but in trusting. It's not in running, but in resting. It's not in in praying that we find the strength of the Lord. It's not in trying, but in trusting. Oh, it's not in running, but in resting. It's not in wondering, but in that we find the strength of the Lord. One more time. Oh, it's not in, but in trusting. 
it's not in running, but in resting. And it's not in wondering, but in praying. That we find the strength of the Lord. I have a He formed my heart And before even time began My life was in His hand He knows my sees each tear that falls, and He hears me when I call, and I have a Father, He calls me His own, and He'll Call. Sing that verse again, the chorus again now. He knows, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. And he sees each tear that falls. And he hears me when I call. not think, as I've said before, you may not think, you know, you're important in the whole scheme of things or that you've accomplished much or that you've done very much or anything else. But let me just assure you and leave you with this thought. God chose you to be here at the very end. Satan would love to rip and tear and shred and destroy everything that is called of God in this last day. He almost has the whole world under his domain and under his control. He's worked hard. He's worked tirelessly over the ages to become the God of this evil age. The fact that you're here proves the limitation of his power. He cannot destroy you. He cannot stop us. He cannot cannot stop or quench the bride of Jesus Christ. We are literally, quite literally, an invincible army. That's what you are. That's who you are. 
And Satan is powerless against you. He cannot destroy you. He can tempt you. He can try to discourage you. He can try to twist your thinking and all the rest of it. He can try to get you pulled down, like Brother Jaron said weeks ago, pulled your thinking down to the level of the rest of this world. But he cannot unpredestinate you as a member of the bride of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen. Your standing here represents the limitation of his power. He cannot stop you. And I tell you what, he's waiting for you to get out of here until he takes over the whole world. But he will not be allowed to do that until he that will let, will let. And God will allow him to take over, but not at your expense. Because God's watching over you. God's got his eye upon you. And God wants to make sure that you have everything that you have need of. That you have all of the services that we have need of. All the preaching that you have need of. Everything that gets you ready to cross over on the other side. Until you can make a step and your body will be changed. Then God says, have at it. But not until then. Because of you. And that's what he's concerned about. He's concerned about you and making sure that you are what you're supposed to be and that you are where you need to be and that you are ready to grow and take your place in the wedding supper and the millennium and all the rest of it over there. It's all being held up because God loves you. And when you leave here tonight, you need to realize that that's why this whole thing hasn't blown wide open. But if you took the bride off the face of the earth, you would not want to see it in its chaos and its deformity and its absolute destruction. You wouldn't want to see it. But the reason it is the way that it is and the reason that everybody drives on the right side of the road and the reason that the Supreme Court is still making decisions and the reason why they're still collecting taxes and all the rest of it, all of it seems to be normal is because you're here. Take the bride out, and it goes nuts. It goes into tribulation. Wholesale, killing, everything else goes on. But because you're here, you actually are the brakes holding the whole thing. The whole earth groaning and travailing, waiting for you to get to that place. Glory to God. You say, I didn't think I was that important. I'm telling you, you are that important that everything in the earth is waiting on us. That's why you ought to come to church a little early and say, Lord, give me what I have need of. <laughs> give, me, give me both barrels. Give me everything I have need of, Lord. Quicken it to me. Make it real. Oh, I'll tell you what. It, it's, it's, it, I mean, I'm either really true here or I'm really false here, one or the other. What, what's on this sheet that you got is either really right or it's really wrong. I'm going to vote for the right. Through it all, sing it with me now. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Yes, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, oh, through it all, learn. To depend upon His Word. Go to three, if you will. I got it. So I thank God for the mountains. And I thank Him for my valleys. Thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. If I never had a problem, how could I know my God would solve them? How could I know what faith in God 
can do. Sing it now together. So through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time tonight. We've had to be able to study the scripture, be able to study the message, to be able to figure out things that are being pointed to, things that are being declared in the earth, and we're living in them. I thank you for eyes to see and ears to hear, for hearts that believe. Lord, I pray you would empower this people, and Lord, we might be strong in the presence of Almighty God, that we might be strong in the world we live in. And Lord, make us true witnesses and help us to speak the things that need to be said in our time. Lord, I pray that you would minister to the sick and the afflicted. And there's many, Lord, that were mentioned tonight. We think of Sister Connie Hughes tonight, Lord, and hold her up before you in prayer. We think, Lord, of Sister Anna Pritchard. And Lord, so many others that are reaching out to you, Father, and need your help and need your touch. Brother Jaron's grandmother, Lord. Sister Sherry, who's been in the hospital. Father, we commit them to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your healing touch upon those, Lord, that have called upon you. And, and Lord, they're doing well and doing better, and we thank you for that. Have your way now, we pray, Lord. Protect us and guide us in your perfect will through the balance of this week. And we'll give you glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Singing as you go tonight. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. We've been made victorious.